welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Today is, is Vision Sunday. Today is Vision Sunday, and I'm super excited to welcome you to Vision Sunday 2023. And the vision for this year is that this is the year we are going to take it by force. We're going to take it by force. That means that we're going to do whatever we got to do to get whatever God has for us. And our Vision Sunday sets the tone for all that God is going to do in us, through us, and for us in 2023. And that's why this year we are going to take it by force. See, this is the year that we are going to take hold of His promises. This is the year that we are going to take hold of His purposes. This is the year that we are going to take hold of His plans and take hold of all that God has prepared for us and allocated for us in 23. How many of you know that God has plans and purposes and promises all laid out and prepared for you and your family this year? Because that's how God is. God, God, God is a, a God of intentionality. God is a God of purpose. And when He establishes purpose, He also lays out a plan. When He establishes purpose, He also lays out a plan. He is a God of purpose and He is a God of plans. And when you submit and surrender to His Lordship, when you follow Him, let me tell you that God will place you in the perfect position to possess his promises. Let me say that again. When you submit and you follow him, he will put you in the perfect position so that you can possess all the things that he has promised and purposed for you in this life. Think, think about this for a moment. We, we've been talking about this in our midweek Bible study on, on Thursday nights. Turn at your neighbor and say, where were you? Didn't see you on Thursday. But we were talking about how God is a God of intentionality, that God is a God of design. Everything that God does, He does by design and not by default. He does everything by design. Do you know that our world, this, this earth, this, this, this planet that we live on is perfectly positioned? Do you know that if our earth, this world would move a quarter of an inch closer to the sun, you know that we'd all be consumed by fire? We wouldn't have to go to the beach to get tan. We'd be like, literally a quarter of an inch and we would be consumed by fire. If we moved a quarter of an inch away from the sun, we'd freeze to death. So what does that tell me is that God has placed our, our world, our planet in its perfect and proper position. Now, now what that tells me that if God did that for our world and our earth, how much more is He not going to do that for you? And see, when God says, I want you to follow me, I, 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 I want to lead you, I want to be your shepherd, you've got to understand that every step, even though you don't see it, even though you don't understand it, every step, every turn, every detour, every delay, every, every drive around, around the loop, You've got to realize that God is doing everything to place you in a perfect position so that you can possess all of His purpose and His promises. Because God does everything by design and nothing by default. In fact, you know, there's this crazy thing that, that people talk about in science that all of this world came about because of a big collision called the, the Big Bang Theory. And, and think about it. The, the, the premise behind this theory is that this world that is in perfect position and perfect placement came about through a collision. I don't know about you, but I've never seen order come out of collision. When there are two things that collide, I always see destruction and I see chaos. I never see order. It, it, my, my finite mind cannot assimilate or reconcile how people can stand back and say, well, there was a big collision. They took this, this molecule and this molecule and this atom and this atom and they collided and then boom, we can't. It doesn't make sense because every time things collide, nothing is put into order. It's 
becomes chaotic. It becomes chaos. And, and so everything that God does, even in our world, in our life, you have to realize that God is positioning you for His promises and for His purpose. And, and that's the great thing is that all you got to do is follow Him. All you got to do is follow Him. And so this year, we're going to follow God. This year at Access Church, we're going to follow God. We're going to follow His plan, and He's going to follow. See, because that's what God is. God, God is a God that takes us from glory to glory. And, and, and many of you know, you've been here for a while, you know that God has spoken and declared many powerful things about Access Church. And one of the things that I like to do uh, on Vision Sunday is I want to kind of give you a refresher and a reminder of who we are at Access Church. I like to call it our, our why, our what, and our how. And, and this is how we, we, we came about. Like when, when God started to speak to me about starting a church, and, and, and let me be transparent, I never wanted to be a lead pastor. I never wanted to pastor my own church. It was never my own personal ambition or desire. Because how many of you know that sheep are messy? And, and I loved, I, I used to do what I, what I call, I would love them and leave them. I would show up, preach at a church, preach at a conference, do a special service. And then I leave the pastor with all the mess and I could leave. But God had a different plan, a different purpose. And, and it was a, a morning, I was walking along San Felipe Creek in Del Rio, and God began to, to, to speak to me about starting a church, and, and, and I was arguing with God, and I was like, but God, that's not who I am, that's not what I do, I, I'm the guy that helps the guy. I don't need the limelight. I don't need the platform. I don't need the spotlight. I'm the guy that helps the guy. That's what I love to do. You give me a vision, I'll put legs to your vision because that's who I am. And I remember I said, okay, God, because this is the way my mind works. Coming from a, a business consultant background, I thought, this is how my mind works. I said, God, why another church? At that time in Del Rio, there were 98 churches already. For a town of about 40,000, give or take, people and I thought okay surely 98 churches can get the job done so I'm thinking why another church why 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 another church and, and God said because this church is going to be different I said what's going to be different about this church and this is our mandate this is our why he said because you are going to build a prophetic church with a prophetic people within a prophetic culture so I said back okay, okay God then if that's who we're going to be and that's our our why then what are we going to do and that's what he gave us our our access mission and this is what he said access church exists to love people into an authentic relevant and maturing relationship with Jesus Christ and so the Holy Spirit dropped that in my spirit and I said okay I get this access church exists to lead people into a loving relationship he says uh-uh you, you you missed it what is core and essential to Access Church is that you're not going to lead people, you're going to love people. How many of you know that the church has not always done a really good job at loving people? I mean, don't get me wrong, we, we love the good people. We, we love the people that don't have mess, that don't have drama. We, we love the people that, that, that fit into our, our molds and our paradigms. But God did not call us just to love the lovable. He called us to love everybody. And he said, this church is going to be different because you're not just going to lead people. Your church is going to be so full of love that people are just going to want to go and show up. And let me tell you, we've seen that. You know, the greatest compliment that I receive when people come to Access Church for the first time is they say, what was it? It's not that the preaching was great, even though it was really good. They tell me that all the time. The worship was amazing. You know what I love to hear is that, man, I've never felt so welcome or loved at any other church in my life. And this is something that we have heard over and over and over. And don't get me wrong, maybe that wasn't your experience. Maybe we, we, we missed you or maybe llegaste con cara de chupa limón. And you scared everybody. We didn't want to love you a little bit. Like, I remember walking up to people, they walk in the door and I'm like, hey. I'll send Bibi to love them. <laughs> Chupa limon is the Greek word for it. 
And so if that wasn't your spirit, I, I apologize because you know what? Some days, some days we miss it. But, but overall, the overriding theme that I hear is when people come to Access Church, man, I've never felt so loved. I never felt so welcome. And, and that is our what. And then I said, okay, God, how are we going to do our what? This is our how, and this is what we call our Access Expression. Our access expression is to love like Christ, live like Christ, and to lead like Christ. This is what we are all about. And, and every day, understand, we're all in a process. We're all being molded and shaped to love like Christ, to live like Christ, and lead like Christ. This is something that we're, we're constantly working on. And, and all of us, and all of us are at different points in the journey, and, and I get, get that. But this is the DNA of Access Church. But how many of you know that Access Church is God's heart for this city? Because Access Church was not birthed in my heart. Access Church was not birthed in the heart of man. Access Church was birthed in the heart of God for this city. At some point, God looked down and said, man, Eagle Pass, they need a little bit different kind of church because those people are a little bit different over there. They're just a little bit special to be nice, right? And so God says, we, 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 we've got to, there, there's got to be a different kind of church for this different kind of people in a different kind of city. So Access Church was not birthed in my heart. It was not birthed in the heart of man. It was first birthed in the heart of God for this city and for this community. And I believe that God had a vision for a different kind of church. A church that would love what He loves. A church that would love who He loves. A church of prodigals. You know, this was a revelation that God gave to me just a few weeks ago. That our church is full of prodigal sons and daughters. And so maybe you're, you're not familiar with the biblical vernacular of what a prodigal... That sounds like pretty smart, right? of what a prodigal son or daughter is. A prodigal son or daughter is one that maybe was born in church or was raised in church, but at some point you decided to stray away and you started to, to, to do your own thing and you walked away from what you were taught. You walked away from that, but now you're back. Will, will you humor me for a minute? If you were a prodigal son or daughter and you found your way back home at Access Church, will you stand up wherever you're at? Some of y'all better be standing up. I'm going to start pointing y'all out because I know your story. We, we know who. And, and, and I thought about, man, what an amazing place that God loved prodigal sons and daughters. Those that have been burnt out. Those that have been rejected. Those that have been hurt by the church. Been hurt by legalism and judgmentalism and religiosity. Where they made it more about performance and less about position. And God said, I want to create a church where prodigal sons and daughters come home. And, and someone said often that we are a church of rejects, or as I like to say, we are a church of misfits. And see, some of you found your way here because you just didn't fit in in the old churches. You didn't fit in where you, they looked at you weird. They thought you were weird because you, you spoke a different language. You acted differently. But I'm here to tell you that you weren't a misfit. You were just misplaced. God was preparing a home. God was preparing a house where he could gather all the weird and rejected misfit and we could do something amazing in this city. So God had to find the weirdest misfit looking dude to lead a bunch of misfit weird looking people. God had a vision about a church that would that would break religious paradigms, a church that would challenge the status quo, a church that would be just as passionate for His Word as we are passionate for His presence. There's a lot of churches that are passionate about His presence, but they don't know anything about the Word. And one of the things that I've seen in the landscape of the church is that they were very familiar with Christian tradition, but not with Christian doctrine. 
They, they, they knew all of the do's and don'ts. And, and, and that's how, and, and don't get me wrong, that's how I was raised. People ask me, well, what makes you a Christian? Well, I don't do this. I don't go to the movies. I rent them at Blockbuster, but I would never go. Y'all, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Like, okay, you can bring it to your house, but you can't go and sit in a theater, eat some popcorn. I don't get it. But that's what a lot of people, they were familiar with Christian tradition about the do's and well, I don't do this and I don't do that. And, I don't, and, 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 and sometimes we wonder, well, do you want to go to my church? They're like, no. And so God had a vision about a church that would not only be passionate for his presence, but would be passionate for his word. Because at the end of the day, when the storms come in, in life, those emotional manifestations and experience is not enough to hold you anchored. But when you have the word of God and you can hold on to God's word. And so we are a church that is not just passionate. We love our moments of worship. We, we, we love, like just like we've experienced, we are a church that if you feel like crying, if you feel like dancing, if you feel like running, just this past week, I, I, I came across this young lady said, I, I don't go to my church anymore because I just show up and I cry and they all look at me weird. I said, you know what? I've got the perfect church. We all cry at this church. You come and cry, you're going to fit right. In fact, if you don't cry, we look at you weird. Chupa limones. Like, man, this church is different. We're scaring all the visitors away. And I was like, man, I've got the perfect church for you. And I believe that one day her and her husband are going to come and she's going to cry and she's going to experience something different. I believe God had a vision for a church where you could come as you are and be loved as you are, but also be transformed into whom God called and created you to be. See, we'll love you the way you come, but if we love you, we're not going to leave you the way you came. We're going to do whatever we can to get God to do his work in your life. Now, when we talk about vision, some people say, well, pastor, why is it so important to, for us as a church to have a mandate, a mission, and, and a vision? I've been in church all my life, and my pastor never talked about mission, vision. And I'm thinking, well, that's why you have 30 old ladies that have never done anything in a church. And the church doesn't grow. Because Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But the one who keeps the law, blessed is he. Now, more traditionally, it is read as where there is no vision, the people perish. But I like the first translation because the first translation says prophetic vision because the Hebrew word that the writer of this proverb uses refers to the divine communication between prophets and God and not just to individuals, goals, and plans. In other words, when it talks about when you are a people that get a, a download from God, that God, that God gives you GPS coordinates, that God gives you GPS coordinates to find your purpose and your promise. He's talking about when you have that vision, when you lack that, that divine communication, that divine direction from God, then you literally run wild. And, and, and that's what it's saying. That word translated perish does not mean to die, but it literally means to lose self-control or, or literally to run wild. And that's why you have people running here and running there and everywhere because they have no divine direction. They have no vision. And that's why a lot of churches, they do a lot of movement and they don't go anywhere. It's like me when I run. You ever see me running? Man, if you just saw me like in a video, you'd be thinking I'm moving fast. But there's a lot of movement, but I'm not advancing. That's how me and Micah run right now. And I've only got two feet, you know? And that's a lot of churches. Why? Because they lack vision. They lack that, that, that divine direction that, that, will, that God is trying to take you someplace. And so when you fail to accomplish or see in your life, it's not necessarily a lack of discipline, it's a lack of 
prophetic vision. It's a lack of vision. When you, when you don't have vision, when you get a vision for your life, then you will get the prophetic discipline. And that is why it's so poor, important for us here at Access Church to understand our mandate and our mission. And let me tell you again, I didn't invent or think up Access Church. I'm, not, I'm pretty smart, but not that smart. This is way beyond me. But let me tell you that Access Church was conceived in the heart of God for this community, for your family. And before I even ever knew there would be an Access Church, and much less that I would be the lead pastor, God already had a vision of why Access Church would exist, of what Access Church would do. And that is why before you even got here, before you even heard of Access Church, I was praying and fasting and seeking God for His plan. And I said this before, this isn't my church. This isn't your church. This is his church. Man, I just felt like in my inner Joel Osteen just kind of came out like, maybe God is doing something. I just got to get the blinks down. So access, like, hey, if anything, you're not ministered to, at least you're entertained, okay? That's why we're a different kind of church. So Access Church isn't about my ideas. It's not about what I want in a church or about what you want. See, God first had a crazy vision about Access Church. And then I guess he said, I've got to find someone crazy enough or dumb enough willing to start two campuses or two churches at one time. I think I fit the bill because nobody does that. It, it was in my heart to, to start two churches, two campuses with no money, no connections. And God says, you're going to start two churches. Uh, nobody does that. I've, I've asked all kinds of church planners. I've asked all kinds of pastors. Do you know anybody that started two churches at once? They're like, no, nobody would do that. Who's that dumb? I don't know. I'm just asking for a friend. I'm asking for a friend. Like, nobody would do that. Like, I'm like, for real? Like, duh. Like, but God found someone dumb enough. And see, that is the power of vision. Why? Because vision is different than sight. Vision is the capacity to see further than your eyes can look. And see, that will make all of the difference in your life when you develop vision for your life. And see, the problem is, is that we're, we're so used to, uh, uh, you know, just re trusting our sight. But how many of you know that we see things not as they are, we see things as they appear to be? We don't see things as they are. We, everything we see is, is passed through a filter of experience of understanding, of information and knowledge. So when we see things, we see things through that filter. So we're not necessarily seeing things as they are. We're seeing things as how they appear to be. And that's what sight does. But when you have vision, vision is the ability to see further than your eyes can look. It's different than, 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 than sight. And, and, and so I, I had a vision and I came to this community of Eagle Pass. And when I started telling people, I'm going to start a church where? In Eagle Pass, Texas. They're like, why? Where? Where's that at? Now we're on the map, thanks to the news and the immigrant crisis. That's where people identify, oh, you're where all the immigrants. Yeah, that's us. Open borders. Come on in, everybody. That's how they identify. But before, like, where, what, why? And honestly, when I got here to Eagle Pass, I saw something that nobody else saw. I saw the potential of what God could do. And, and don't think I ended up here because I had no other opportunities. I had opportunities in Chicago. And let me tell you, I love Chicago. I, al I always saw myself walking on the 606 early in the morning or late at night, going to Chinatown and eating Chinese food, going to Little Italy and eating Italian food. 
going to little Puerto Rico and eating a jibarito. You can tell I'm a foodie. Austin, Dallas, but God had a different plan. He said, I have a vision for a different kind of church in Eagle Pass, Texas. So can, can, can I be open and transparent? Can, can I share with you what, what, what I see or, or, or what I saw? See, I saw a church where lives were changed and marriages and families are restored, where the preaching of the word would turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children towards their fathers, where men and women were equipped and empowered to fulfill God's purpose for their lives, where children and youth not only hear about God, but they get to experience the very presence of God in their lives, where the relationship with God is not just theoretical or theological, but also experiential, where the gifts of the Spirit are active in every generation, a church where our children and our youth would prophesy, a church that transcends Sundays and permeates every day in every area of our life, a church that influences the culture and not is influenced by the culture, a church that loves like Christ, that lives like Christ and leads like Christ. That's what I saw. And I'm sure there were other pastors and leaders looking at what I was looking at at Eagle Pass be like. I shared this with the youth last, Thursday, last Saturday that one time I was watching Saturday public television. This, we, we couldn't afford cable. So we didn't have all the channels and, and they were showing on, on, on PBS this, this art and they were talking about the Mona Lisa and how beautiful she was. And I was like, Oh, she's just so beautiful. I was like, she got no eyebrows. I couldn't see what they could see. And I imagine when I started talking about building an amazing church in this city, in this community, a church like you would see on YouTube or Facebook somewhere else in a big city, I saw that could happen here when nobody else could see it. That's what I saw. So, so let me lay out our access vision for you. Our access vision is to be a multi-generational, multicultural, multilingual, multi-denominational, multi-site, biblically grounded, Christ-centered, Holy Spirit-empowered church that transcends religious spheres and permeates into every facet of our lives. This is our vision. This is who we are called to be. Now, I, I've been in the game long enough to know that every time that God wants to do something, the enemy is always going to rise up and bring opposition. See, if you did not know this, that we are living in a war zone or a battle zone. There are two kingdoms that are constantly and perpetually at war. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. And, and the problem is a lot of times we fail to recognize and realize that we are living in a war zone. Why? Because we don't see the physical damage. We don't see the physical collateral damage. We, we don't see it on the outside. When you've gone to war-torn cities that you've seen on the news or, you know, those of you that served in, in, in our armed services, you've been there, you've seen the buildings torn down, you've seen... What used to be beautiful homes and buildings are now nothing but a bunch of ruins and trash. And the problem is that because we don't see that in the earthly realm, we fail to realize that we are living in a war zone. That's why Paul says that our battle in our war is not with flesh and blood. In other words, you're not going to see it necessarily in the physical. This is a spiritual battle. And if we could put our spiritual goggles on, we will see that the condition of the families, of the homes, of the people in our city were more devastated than some of the war-torn cities and nations that we've seen recently on the news. So every time that God wants to do something in your life, you've got to already know that it's not going to come easy. The enemy does not want you to possess 
God's promises and God's purpose for your life. Understand that the moment that I said yes to God, the moment that I said I'm going to build an amazing church with God's help, with following God's plan, following God's purpose, let me tell you that the enemy opposed us every step of the way. And if he did it for us, he's going to do it for you. Why? In fact, one of the names that, that is used in scriptures to describe the enemy is the word Satan. Satan is not a name. It is a job description we, we think it's his middle name or devil or Satan no it is his job description the word Satan means adversary an adversary is one who opposes or resists and the devil's number one job is to oppose and resist everything and anything that God wants to do in your life. So the moment you get a prophetic word, the moment you get a promise from God, the moment your life starts going in the right direction, what do you think the enemy does? He says, I'm going to stop that. I'm going to do everything in my power. I'm going to do everything in my will because I do not want God's purpose and promise for their life. And, and, and I said it last week, I'm, I'm sorry, I should have warned you before you started coming to this church. Because we're a different kind of church. We're not complacent. We're taking back devil's territory. We're taking back prodigal sons and daughters. Every week, prodigal sons and daughters are coming to a place where they're being refreshed and restored. And let me tell you, the devil's not happy. And that's why you say, man, ever since I've been going to Access Church, all hell broke loose. Yeah, sorry. Man, everything was great. I didn't have any problems. It's because that's who the devil is. He is your adversary. He's here to oppose and, and everything. So you've got to understand that as soon as God declares his intent to bless or intent to expand in your life, the enemy does what he does. He opposes and he resists. You, you just, and I think sometimes we fail to see that. We, we get the, the picture. We get the promise. We get the prophetic word. We hear the word of God being declared over our lives and our families. And we say, yeah, that's what I want. Not realizing that it's not going to come easy. That we have an adversary that is trying to stop. And in fact, Jesus puts it this way. He says in John 10.10 10, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But when you look at that, that passage of Scripture, Jesus is talking about the flock. He's talking about those that are in the flock, within the rebaño. He's talking about the sheep. He's not talking about, oh, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy the things in the world. No, he's talking about those of you and I who are believers, those that we are part of the kingdom of God, that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Opposition. In fact, Jesus tells us in Matthew eleven twelve. 12, he says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. He's saying, in this world, you will have affliction. That the moment that you decide to become part of the kingdom of God, you have a mark, a target on your back by the enemy. Why? Because he opposes and resists. He doesn't want your marriage restored. He doesn't want your children restored. He doesn't want your family restored. He's going to do everything in his power to steal, kill, and destroy. Why? Because there are two kingdoms at war, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. And they are in perpetual opposition to each other. And so Jesus says here in Matthew, he says, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. In other words, the kingdom of God has opposition. There is an opposition force. There is an opposition kingdom, an opposition power in this world trying to deny, delay, or derail anything that God has planned for you in your life. He said, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. So taking hold or laying hold of all that God has for you in 2023 is not going to be easy. And, and, and that's how we start, right? We start off great in January. 
and New Year's resolution, like God for real, for real, like this time for real, I'm going to stick it out. I know last year I only came to church for three weeks in January. By February, I always say in January, churches and gyms are full. Go back in March, maybe not so full anyway, except not this church. Every week we kept getting maxed out capacity. Can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise for that? So it's not easy. Why? Why, why, why do things get de delayed? Why do things get denied, derailed? Why? Because there is an opposition. It's not going to be easy. But like I said last series, that if God has declared blessing and promise over your life, there is nothing or no one in hell that can stop it. In order for you to possess the promise, it is going to require an equal response to the opposition. And that's what Jesus was laying out. He said, the kingdom of heaven suffers violent. There's opposition. And if you're going to take hold of everything that God has for you, you have to match your opposition. That's why I say Christianity and the kingdom of God is not for Mickey Mouse Christians, those that come when it's convenient. God is not looking for gold diggers. What is a gold digger? A gold digger doesn't care about the person. The gold digger only cares about what he can provide. And that's why a lot of people follow Jesus because of what we can provide. He, of all the, all the blessings. But let me tell you, if you're just here for the blessing, when the storm comes, you're the first one to want to bail out and jump out of the boat. And so Christianity is not for Mickey Mouse Disneyland Christians. It is for warriors, for OGs that are willing to take it by force. And that's what Jesus is saying. If you're going to take hold of everything that I have for you in 2023, you've got to know that there's going to be violence. You've got to know that there's going to be opposition. But if you're going to lay hold of it, you can't be pacific. You, you, can't, you, you can't be lethargic. You have to take it back. And you have to take it back by an equal response. And, and, and too many times... The devil, the devil rises up and he sends the storms of light and we just lay down. Throw in the towel. We just quit. We just give up. But you have to determine right now, I'm not going to give up and I'm not going to give in. What I'm saying is, if you're going to take hold of all that God has for you, you're going to have to pray through the opposition. You're going to have to praise through the opposition and you're going to have to push through the opposition. So let me give you some, some, some context to what Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. So John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. And John the Baptist was a different kind of prophet. I would like to say he was an access prophet because he was that dude that was just weird. Like, do you remember growing up in school, you had that one kid that would eat their boogers? If you didn't have that classmate, it's because you were probably the one eating your booger. No, Pastor, I didn't have it. There was not one of those that we had. Just saying. No, we didn't have one of those in our... In my class. Well, that was John the Baptist. John the Baptist was weird. The Bible calls him a prophet. In fact, Jesus says that he was the greatest prophet. And, and the thing is that you have to realize that John the Baptist was an access prophet because he broke every mold. He broke paradigms. He ate differently. He dressed differently. The Bible says that he would wear, he wouldn't wear the nice fancy tunics that all of the other priests and all of, all of the other Levites would wear. He would wear like animal skins and he would eat bugs and eat locusts and eat honey. That's who he was. He was just different, but he had a purpose. His purpose was to prepare the way for Jesus. And that's what he was doing. He was preaching and he was baptizing. And you know what? The religious system did not like it. Hmm, that sounds familiar. How many of y'all heard negative things about this church before you got here? No, don't raise your hand. Y'all heard things about me. Oh, right. It's okay. I've heard it too. Some crazy things. And when God raises something up different that doesn't fit the religious molds and the religious paradigms of of, of, of people's understanding they start to judge and criticize 
They start to talk negatively. The church begins to grow and they say things, oh, it's because we're more about quality than quantity. They don't really preach the, the word over there. They're like, they're like Christian light. They're like 1% milk. I've heard it all. And, and that was John the Baptist. John the Baptist didn't fit in. He, he, but he had this amazing ministry. And one day, he's at the Jordan River. And guess who shows up? El Primo Chuy. I'm sorry, that's the way I read the Bible. My mind works. So Jesus shows up. And John the Baptist is in the water. And he's like dunking people like oh you know just dunking people all of a sudden Jesus shows up and he sees him and he says behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world he declared that Jesus was the Messiah Jesus comes down into the water John is looking at him like like okay how's this gonna work you're gonna baptize me I mean like you're like the son of God and you know who's gonna you know who's gonna dunk who And Jesus comes and he says, no, you got you to gotta do what you were called to do. I'm a sign. I'm a model. I'm a pattern for everyone to follow. And so John the Baptist dunks him. He's like, I hope this is really you, God. <laughs> and he baptizes Jesus. In that moment, then the Bible says that this voice came from heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. There was an affirmation, an identity affirmation moment for Jesus. John the Baptist declared it that he was the Messiah in that moment. Fast forward to Matthew chapter 11. All of the religious people that didn't like John the Baptist because he didn't fit their mold because he dressed different. He didn't dress like a pastor. He never wore a suit and tie. He would wear holy jeans. My jeans are holy because I pray so much. It didn't fit the mold. The church is different. They give coffee and donuts. Like, who does that? Like, how disrespectful. Remember, everything we do is with intentionality, design, and not by default. Even the coffee donuts. What did I say? We are, we are more than the church. We are. What do Latino families do when we get together? Hello. We eat even when we're not hungry. Like, like yesterday, we had our leadership gathering, and we're walking out, and they said, Pastor, are you hungry? No, but I could eat. Like, we're going to hang out, so, I mean, we're going to eat. Because that's just what we do. So everything we do is with design and intentionality. And so, here is, is Jesus, this, this identity-affirming moment. He's having this, John the Baptist is being ridiculed and criticized, saying he's not really a prophet. He's just some crazy dude. He is just this weird, crazy dude that dresses crazy, acts crazy, doesn't look like a pastor, doesn't fit the model, has a crazy, a bunch of crazy people that are getting dunked and, and wet in, in the Jordan River. You have to realize that nobody did that before. Nobody was getting baptized before John the Baptist. No one was serving coffee and donuts. Not for free at least. They'd be charging you for tacos at other churches. Trying to pay the light bill. Nobody was baptizing. It was completely different. Doing something nobody else in the city was doing. And they didn't like it. And so what do they do? They send John the Baptist to prison. And so in Matthew chapter 11, is it okay if I come down? He's in prison. He's isolated. Just a, a, a few pages before, he has this amazing moment where he sees Jesus, the Lamb of God, that's going to take away the sins of the world and declares it. But now all of a sudden, he's in prison. And now he enters in this battle between what he knows in his heart and what he's seen with his head. He's alone. He's isolated. He's suffering violence. And you know what happens in Matthew chapter 11? He says, he calls a few of his disciples, hey, do me a favor. 
Can you go ask my cousin if like he's really the guy guy? Ask him if he's really the son of God or should we wait for another? Wait a minute, just a few minutes, you're like, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away. Isn't that how we are as Christians sometimes? Everything's going great. We're having a great service and we're declaring God is good. God is faithful. He's blessing me. But the minute you find yourself alone in prison, in the middle of the opposition, you begin to question, did God really say that? We begin to wonder, like, did God really mean that he was going to bless me? Because I don't feel like I'm being blessed right now. I, don't, I feel like I'm being judged. I feel like I'm being criticized. I feel like I'm being blackballed and backstabbed. I, I feel like I'm not making it. People are talking about me. People are telling me I'm never going to make it. And all of a sudden, John the Baptist, the same guy just a few pages ago, was speaking boldly. Behold, the Lamb of God is now alone in prison. And he's got this inner battle between his head and his heart. Man, and I'm thinking, man, John was OG. Like, like if he went through that, like, who am I? Even the prophet Elijah, he, he went through that moment. He was like, he just called fire down from heaven on the prophets of Baal. And then the next chapter over, he's in the cave running for his life, having a little pity depression party. If we don't understand that every time that God releases a word of expansion, of direction, of intention of your life, that the enemy is going to bring opposition, we might find ourselves like John the Baptist, questioning if we really heard from God. And there he was in prison. I, I know you probably never heard it, this story this way. He was in prison and he calls his disciples, hey, can you go ask Chewy? Well, that's what we call him growing up in the barrio, right? If he's really the Messiah. And I love Jesus' response. Look at how Jesus responds. Jesus tells them, go and tell John the things that they heard and seen, such as the opening of the eyes of the blind, the healing of the lame, the cleansing of the lepers, the opening of deaf ears, the raising of the dead, the preaching of the gospel to the poor, which all were signs of the promised Messiah. And John's question was contrary to what he had previously just spoken and declared. Because now he's in the midst of the opposition. He's in the midst of the battle. He's in the midst of, uh, of the trial. He, he, he's in the midst. He had just testified that Jesus was the Son of God. But now here he is incarcerated, abandoned, alone. And now the doubts were starting to flood his head. And see, there's going to be times in 2023 where your head and your heart are going to be in opposition. You've got to know what God has said in, in, in your heart. But then when you start seeing things through, through reality in, in your eyes and you're there and you're like, I, I know you said, God, you were going to do this in my marriage. I know you said you're going to do this in my life. I know you're gonna, you said you're going to do this in my business. I, I know you said, but I, I'm not seeing it right now. I don't feel it right now. I don't know. See, there's going to be times where your head and your heart are going to be in opposition. And John knew in his heart, but his judgment got clouded by what was in his head. See, when the opposition comes, and it's coming, it's going to be easy to give up. It's going to be easy to question God. It's going to be easy to wonder if you missed it or missed out. And you might even find yourself questioning God's will. But you have to know, when God speaks or declares, the devil's not going to lay down and roll over and say, oh, okay, you win, go ahead. No. Opposition is going to come. And that's why the Bible says that we must walk by faith and not by sight. That's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that we've got to walk by faith. What does that mean? That even when we don't see it with our eyes, we don't feel it, we've got to know it in our hearts that if God said it, He's going to do it. And here's the problem, and, and we're going to talk about the enemies of possession, distraction, discouragement, fear, being discredited, disappointment, 
See, disappointment is when our expectation doesn't meet our reality. God always answers our prayer, but the problem is that He answers it the best way. He doesn't also always answer it our way. And we think, well, God didn't answer it. No, He did. He just did above and beyond what you could ever think, ask, or imagine. And there's going to be moments when you're walking this journey by faith. And He said, you can't, you can't go by what you see. And, and, and the reason that many of us miss the promise is because we're looking for the picture, not realizing that when God gives you a promise, He shows you a picture, but He doesn't give you the picture, He gives you the potential. That's pretty good. And you're looking at the picture and God's showing you the potential. Do, do, do you remember when, when God told the prophet Samuel to go anoint a new king? He says, I want you to go to Jesse's house. I want you to go to Jesse's house and I want you to knock on the door and one of his sons is going to be the next king. So Jesse opens the door. He welcomes the pastor in. He makes a carne asada because that's what you do when the pastor comes over. Just saying. And he lines up all seven of his sons. And Samuel shows up and, and I imagine, you know, he had him up, he had him lined up by 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 age. And the first one was Eliab. Now Eliab was he was a warrior. He was already a soldier in, in Israel's army. He was strong, he was tall, he was built. And I, I think Jesse was like, Oh, it's gotta be Eliab. Like, look at look at Miko, it's just like me. And Samuel has this horn of oil. And he sees him, he's like, oh, it's got to be Eliab. Tall, dark, and kind of handsome. I mean, Caleb. And he has the horn of oil. And he looks at it, he's like, oh, God, you knew what you were doing, bro. Here you go again. And he takes the oil, and he takes the horn of oil, takes the top off, and he starts trying to pour the oil. And guess what? It doesn't come out. So what does Samuel do? He does what we do with the Heinz 57. Inosale. That's the Greek word for it didn't come out. And then he says, okay, God, maybe, okay, it's not Eliab. Let's go to Shama. Shama was next in line. And Shama was an amazing warrior. In fact, he is called one of David's three mighty men. This dude took down like 800 dudes with one sword by himself. Like, that's a bad boy. And so Samuel's thinking, thinking man, it's got to be him. It's, if it wasn't Eliab, it's got to be him. And he goes to Shama, and he goes, y otra vez. The oil doesn't flow. And the Bible says that he went through all seven sons. And Samuel gets to the end. He starts rascándose las canas, which is the Greek word for meditating on God's will and God's word. And he turns to Jesse, and he says, Jesse, do you have another son? See, Jesse had eight sons, but he only called seven because David was out in the field. Why didn't he call, why didn't he call David? Because David was Jesse's mistake. I know you, you probably didn't know this, but David was Jesse's illegitimate son. He was trying to hide from God. He's like, God, nothing's, like when your mom tells you to clean your room and you stand in front of the closet, don't open the closet. He was trying to hide his mistake from God. He was trying to hide it. So he didn't call, Je he didn't call David to the party because he thought that he could, he could hide it from God. But how many of you know that you can't hide anything from God? And so when he says, well, there's this el huerquillo de David out in the field in the pasture and the prophet Samuel says, go and call him. So David comes in and this is the way my mind works. David is just like one of those, 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 those kids that was always getting into stuff. And, and I imagine that David shows up, his elbows and arms are all scratched, his knees are all scratched. He has mocos here, lagañas here, his hair is all disheveled. And he shows up and, the pro and God tells the prophet Samuel, there's your king. And he's looking up check my phone I think I said a king not a boy so he starts checking his order to God through his text message he says God right here I think we got confused I asked for a king and God says I know yeah there it is no God that's a boy God says I know but I asked you for a king 
See, a lot of times we miss out on the promises of God because we're looking for the picture when God gives you the potential. See, what you've got to know that when God gives you a promise, He not only gives you a place of potential, but you carry something within you that is going to make that place something amazing and something beautiful. And so Samuel's like, but this is a boy. And God's like, yes, but he's got the heart of a king. And he takes the oil and he anoints him. And God tells Samuel, that's your responsibility. That's your potential. That's your promise. You've got to make a king out of that shepherd. Four years. Let's fast forward four years. That was, David was 12. Now he's 16. And Israel is in this battle. And there's this big, ugly-looking dude, like, big, ugly-looking giant named, named Goliath. Why are you laughing, Alex? <laughs> and this giant Goliath is standing in the valley, taunting the Israelite army. And where do you think Eliab and Shammah were playing hide-and-go-seek? How many of you know that God knows what he's doing? And in that moment, God tells Samuel, see, the problem is, is that you guys look on the outside. And God says, but I see the potential. You're looking for the picture, but I see the potential. I see the heart. So Goliath is out there calling, your mama's ugly and she dresses you funny. Your mama's so ugly. No. And Eliab and Shama, they're hiding. And here comes David with some tortas ahogadas. Or a few shakes from the energy den. There you go. Discount Monday. Product placement. And he shows up. He's like, hey, what's going on? And his brother's like, shh, it's going to hear. Who's going to hear me? That big, ugly giant. And David's like, you're afraid of that fool? And that little 16-year-old boy with the heart of a king, he goes and he gets five stones and his slingshot. He says, I'm going to take the big boy out. See, oftentimes we miss the promise because we're looking for the picture and we miss out on the potential and what God is trying to do. See, because every time God does something or speaks something in your life, there's something in you that you carry that's going to make that place or that person something amazing. We talked about the promised land last week, and we're going to get into that next week with Joshua. And we stopped at Joshua 1.8. We're going to get into Joshua 1.9 where, where he says, you know, he tells them, you know, be strong and of courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And you're going to go, and, and you're going to cross over, and you're going to take the land. See, see they knew it was going to be promised. It was a promise to be a land that flowed with milk and honey. But do you realize that the promised land didn't always look like all the promised land? In 1 Kings chapter 9, the Bible says that King Solomon had built this amazing temple. They were already in the promised land. And King Hiram, the king of Tyre, he blessed them with all of this wood and all of this lumber and all this material. And so King Solomon is grateful. King Solomon is grateful for all of this. So he says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do what kings do. Kings give great gifts. And so he tells King Hiram, because you helped me build this temple for God, I'm going to give you 20 cities in the region of Galilee. And King Hiram says, man, I'm a king and I know the kind of gifts that, that kings give. So he was like all excited. Man, I'm going to go scope out this place, this land that you, that you gave me. Go to verse 12. But when Hiram came from Tyr to see the town Solomon had given, he was not at all pleased with him. Verse 13. What kind of towns are these, my brother? He shows up. Like imagine King Solomon, I'm giving you all of this. Isn't this amazing? Remember we talked about perspective. 
And perseverance leads to possession. You just see things different. When God gives you a, a love and a calling to a place, you see potential and you see beauty where no one else sees. It's all like, yeah, isn't it amazing? And King Hiram is like, like with me and the Mona Lisa, like, he says, what kind of towns are these? And he called that area Kabul. Which really means caca. It does. Look it up. Waste, excrement, poo-poo, doo-doo, whatever you want to call it in your house. He was so not happy. And that was the promised land. That was the place that supposedly flowed with milk and honey. But when King Hiram showed up, he didn't see what everybody else saw. Why? Because when God calls you to a place, there is something in you. You have a grace and you have a gifting to extract the potential. So when God called me to Eagle Pass, everybody was like, who wants to go to Eagle Pass and start an English church? It's not going to work. It's not going to make it. They told us we wouldn't last two years. And I'm here to tell you we're going on year five, baby. And you haven't seen anything yet. You haven't seen anything yet. But you've got to see that the way that God works is that He doesn't always just give you the picture. So you, if you're looking for the picture, you're going to miss out on the promise because the promise comes in the form of potential. And I could have got here and be like, poo-poo, God, let's go to Chicago. They don't even have a Target or a Starbucks. Like, really, God? What did I do? Why you hate me so much? But I stood here. A lot of other people like King Hiram said, oh, what kind of place is this? And when everybody else saw Kabul, I saw this. I saw this. I saw you. I saw, I saw promise. I saw potential. When everybody else gave up. Some of y'all, I missed it. But aren't you glad that God doesn't miss it? And I'm here today. Why? Because I, I had vision to see where other people saw Kabul. I saw promise and I saw potential. Those of you that have been with us for five years, day one OGs, maybe there was times you thought, oh, pastor's crazy, this isn't going to happen. Here in Eagle Pass, an English church, with all that weird prophetic and dreams and, you know, People crying. And they saw Kabul. And I saw this. I saw you. I saw what God wanted to do in Access Church. And now I'm just asking you, man, let's go on this ride with me. Because if this is where we're at in five years, imagine where we'll be in five more. Are you ready to move forward? It's not going to be easy. We have been attacked over the last three or four months. Like, let me tell you, public attacks, things that you know, but there's things as a pastor that I know that you guys don't even know. And all that tells me is that we're on the right path. And I've learned that the level of war waged against you is proportionate to the level of purpose. The greater the threat you are to the devil, the greater the war he wages. And so if he's waging that level of war against us, then that means that there's great things coming for Axis Church. Do you believe that? Are you ready? Are you ready to take it by force? Are you ready to stand up and lay hold of the promises of God? Are you ready to fight? Are you ready to fight? Are you ready? Are you ready? Oh, good. Let's pick up an offering. I'm no, just kidding.
Will you stand? Don't you just love Access Vision Sunday 2023? My mom had a post-it note of something that she had heard somewhere. And she had it on her desk. And I remember going to her office one time and I saw it there. It was on her, on her little computer. And it said, don't doubt in the dark what he has told you in the light. Don't doubt in the dark. And that was John the Baptist. He was doubting in the dark what God had told him in the light. If God said it, he will bring it to pass. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thank you for joining us. And a special thanks to those who have given to support this ministry. Without you, none of this is possible. If you like this podcast, please like and subscribe and share it on social media. Thank you for listening. God bless you.